Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to episode number 16 of the Basketball Card Podcast. I am your host, The 27 Guy. Thank you for joining me this week. Uh, on this week's episode, we're going to hit first our collector's spotlight. We'll move on to talk about the playoffs and what the recent action. We'll take a look ahead at what is to come in the playoffs. Uh, as always, with a hobby perspective on all of that. And then lastly, we'll look at National Treasures release that's coming out next week. Um, and the previews that we've seen thus far on the Knights Lance. Um, but first, let's talk about, um, let's let's hit our collector's uh, spotlight. The uh, collector we'd like to spotlight this week is nobody. I didn't get a single bio sent to me, which means that maybe, I don't know, maybe the show isn't as cool as I hoped it was. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I've gotten a ton of emails. Uh, emails, PMs, and tweets from people uh, since the since the start of the show and the reception of the show I think has been excellent. But for whatever reason, no one no one uh, messaged me on that. So if you guys don't want to do a collector spotlight, I'm totally cool with that. Um, I had somebody mention it to me as an idea. I thought it sounded like a cool idea. But if it's not well received, I don't want to waste the time. So um, we'll give it another week or two. Um, again, if you want to tweet me or or send me a PM via blowout, uh, kind of talking about who you are in terms of the hobby, how you got into the hobby, something you're working on in the hobby that you'd like for me to present on the show. I'd love to do that, especially for those of you who I know and have kind of had a relationship with for, for years. Um, I would love to be able to share that via the podcast, and if that has any benefit to you, uh, that'd be great. As always, please feel free also to tweet me with questions and um, things that you want, things that you would think would be cool to discuss on the show. Um, I'm I'm closer to actually doing the conversational piece. By the way, I think we're I think we're three weeks out from that. Um, but uh, but yeah, busy. My busy season is winding down finally. And so that that should come quick too, but um, but yeah, back to the back to the collector spotlight. Please feel feel free to send me something, and feel free to send me a tweet on something else, and I'd be happy to to share that or to discuss that on the show if it's applicable to to what we're talking about. So no collector spotlight this week. Uh, item number two. Playoffs are crazy. Tonight's, uh, tonight was a great night of basketball. First, we got to see the Raptors and the Heat play game one. Uh, the Raptors looked like they were dead in the water at the end of regulation, or I guess with probably a couple of minutes to go. I think it was an eight-point game. Might have even been in double digits with just a couple of minutes to go. But the Raptors came roaring back. The Raptors have this offense at the end of games where they just can't do anything. They don't... Frankly, I don't really know how they do anything during the game. It's not like they have a great system. They've got some decent one-on-one -on -one players. Um, Lowry can, can Lowry's a good player, but um, he's really struggling right now. DeRozan was, I think, eighth in the league in scoring during the regular season at 23 and a half a game, and has just had. I mean, he had a really tough matchup against Paul George. Paul George was probably the MVP of the first round throughout the NBA. Um, both defensively and offensively, he was pretty special. 
And so it's kind of understandable that DeRozan had a tough time against him. DeRozan played better tonight, and DeRozan played pretty well at the end of the Raptors series too. But the offense is stagnant. It's hard to imagine that that's the number two ranked team in the East. And again, I'm reminded that although people talked about how the East was so much better this year than it's been in years past, the number two ranked team in the West was the Spurs, and the number two ranked team in the East was the Raptors. Um, I know that's a small sample size just comparing one seed to each other, but it's just not even close. They're not even in the same league. Uh, the Spurs are amazing, and the Raptors feel like they maybe shouldn't even have been a playoff team in the West. Having said that, so did a couple of teams that were in the end of the West, so I know that doesn't make a lot of sense. Anyway, um, the Raptors game, though, came down to the last... Um, came down to the last 30 seconds. There were a couple of turnovers... Um, Lualdang made a couple of plays that weren't great. Dwayne Wade dropped the ball out of bounds or had it deflected out of bounds on one play. And the Raptors made some plays, um, but with three seconds left to go in the game, they had to go the length of the court, and Kyle Lowry hit about a 55- or a 60-foot jumper behind the, behind the midcourt line all the way on the far left side of the court and just nailed it. Uh one of the great moments that I can remember in playoff playoff history. Absolutely awesome. It's too bad that they didn't win the game because now that shot won't be really remembered. Um, you know, they didn't go on to win the game. Who knows if they'll go on to win the series. I have to say, I don't think they'll win the series. It seems very clear to me that, that their um, game plan offensively just isn't one that um, can win against a quality team in the playoffs. And I'm sorry for saying that. I, I, I want, like I said last week, I wanted to adopt the Raptors. I hope the Raptors win. I am anxiously sort of rooting for them. But when I watch them, I'm just thinking the Heat are better. I think the Heat's best five are better than the Raptors' five, clear, clearly. I think maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, those positions are all better for the Raptors. So if you can force somebody on the Heat to get in foul trouble, or if you can, if there's injuries or things like that, then maybe the Raptors have a chance. But right now, um, the way that the Heat are playing and the way the Raptors are playing, I see the Heat as overwhelming favorites, even though they don't have home court. Well, they do now, now that they won that game. Um, but I think, I don't, I, th I think they were m better than the score would indicate. Um, then we saw Portland play Golden State tonight. Portland led for about three and a half quarters of the game and really dominated in stretches in the first of the first quarter. Clay Thompson had a, t had a rough go in the first half, uh, but then Lillard, McCollum, Am Aminu were all really hit, really playing great. But in the third and fourth quarter, uh, the Blazers let those fans get back into the game, and Oracle really rocks. I have to say, I think if there's one thing that Warriors fans can be proud of, it's the way that that team, the way that those fans have, have acted throughout the last, really the last, what, 30 years. I mean, basically, since the since the team's been around, it's been, it's been really a comedy of errors in terms of how they've handled draft picks and the mistakes they've made, and they've waited for this time for a long time. I remember that they played the Jazz in the playoffs in 2007, I believe, might have been 2008, but I think 2007 or 2008, um, the Jazz played the Warriors in the second round, and the Warriors fans were crazy. It was the first time that they had been past the first round in like some 
crazy amount of years, like 10, 15, 20. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly, but I think since the run TMC days, so that would have been, yeah, 15 years ish. Um, and those fans were just awesome and rooting your team on like crazy. And when you watch those games right now, you can see, you can, you can feel the energy in that, in the building and you can tell that the opponent feels it. And so credit to you guys, to you Warriors fans that you're, that you're bringing it like that. Having said that, it's kind of easy to bring it when you've got a historically great team that you're rooting for. So, um, I don't want to give you guys too much credit. Anyway, um, the Warriors then took the lead and never looked back and ended up beating the Blazers by 11 points, even though the Blazers were ahead the majority of the game. Um, and all of that without Steph Curry. So the question has to be, you know, does, does Steph even need to play uh, in this series? And it kind of feels like the answer to that might be no. Uh, maybe the Blazers get one of two in Portland. That would be my guess. And then they come back to Golden State and win it in five, even without Curry. That'd be huge if he can continue to rest and prepare for presumably San Antonio. But moving on to the next series now, San Antonio OKC last night um, on Monday was crazy. The last 13 seconds of that game was insane. And I posted about this on Blowout, and I, I tweeted out a few things about this. That game, I have never heard an announcer make such a big deal of, about something that, and, and I and have felt so wrong about what they were saying is what Chris Webber was saying. Chris Webber said, you can forget everything that happened after that play. That was an offensive foul. That was an offensive foul. Well, except for Chris they got the ball. At the end of the day, the Spurs had the ball. They had the ball, and they had a three-on-one fast break. It couldn't have been a better situation for the Spurs in that moment. And so you can say, well, they, you know, they, 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 they would have had a better chance if it was on an inbounds play. Okay, you had a timeout. Then call the flipping timeout. I don't get it. Like, okay, I'm, I won't go on a huge rant here. I just, like, at the end of the day, they got the ball, okay? Before before uh, waiters went crazy and decided to push off while standing out of bounds, um, you know, you guys have heard heard enough about this. I don't I don't want to go into it. I will just say that I don't think enough has been made of the fact that the Spurs got the ball. Everyone's making a big deal about the call. Everyone wants a scapegoat. They got the ball, okay? They probably deserve the ball, despite the fact that Ginobili really should have been assessed um, a delay of game uh, penalty. Um, despite that, you know, if if without without regard to that, they they should have had the ball and they got it, and they had a chance to win and they missed. Right? OKC got back. Stephen Adams played good D. There were lots of calls that were missed. I get all of that. Go back and watch some of the great plays in the history of the game. Michael Jordan pushes off against Brian Russell. I wish they had a two-minute report back then to show that the greatest shot for the greatest player of all time actually shouldn't have counted, right? It's the way that it is. And when John Stockton hit the shot over Charles Barkley to send, it, send the Jazz to the NBA Finals, Carl Malone sets a screen just and holds and basically does 10 things that are illegal on that play. 
I'm a Jazz fan. I still recognize that's what happened. Things happen at the end of games. Kawhi Leonard grabbed Kevin Durant's jersey before this even happened. Don't use it. San Antonio fans, you're too good for that. Don't use it as, as an excuse. There's no reason to. Okay. I guess what we really need to focus on is, does OKC really have a chance in the series? I tend to think not. I tend to think that they can't play that well again, and I don't think that a number of the guys on the Spurs can play as poorly as they played, without, with the exception being Aldridge. Aldridge has been incredible. Aldridge, I think, you know, now that George is out of the playoffs, you'd have to say that Aldridge is the is the MVP of the playoffs to date. Um, he's he's just he's great. He's great in that system. He plays decent defense. He plays amazing offense. He can't. He can't miss shots. He's Dirk-esque from 15 to 18 feet. Um, you know, he got the ball kicked out to him for three, and he, he knocked it down um, on an amazing pass by Tony Parker, by the way. To get into the lane and somehow get that out to Aldridge was one of the better passes you'll ever see. And the pass was on the money, too. Go back and watch that play. If you don't if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's towards the end of... Um, Towards the end of the game, Tony Parker goes down and goes down the lane, and the Spurs needed a three. I can't remember if the three tied it or not, but they kicked it out. He he does this spinning move and then gets underneath the hoop and wraps around all the way, throws it straight out of the top of the key. Lamarcus knocks down the three. Then later on, they needed a three, and Lamarcus gets the ball. He gets Ibaka into the air, and Ibaka fouls him for like the tenth. Three foul on a three-pointer this series by the Thunder. Not really the 10th, but it feels like it because they keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Um, I still don't think the Thunder can win, though. I really don't. I hope they... I mean, if I if I had to root for one thing or the other, I don't know. I, I kind of want... I, I would like to see Durant and Westbrook go a little bit further. But having said that, I think that the Spurs can really challenge the Warriors, even with a healthy Curry. And those were the two best teams all year long. So, I don't know. If you could tell me right now that the Thunder really have a chance against Golden State, then I'd like to see the Golden, then I'd like to see the Thunder advance. But if not, then I want to see those two heavyweights duke it out in the in the conference finals. I think inevitably, the Cavs and the the winner of the Cavs uh, Hawks series is going to go to the finals. I don't see Miami really giving uh, either of those teams. Uh, a challenge. Maybe they could challenge Atlanta. I haven't really thought about those matchups, but I think Cleveland, if healthy, will will beat Miami. I think Miami is going to beat Toronto. I might live to regret that next week um, during the podcast, but uh, but I really think that, that that's how that series is going to go, and I think we're going to have a Miami-Cleveland conference final or Miami-Atlanta conference final. I think the NBA would love to see Miami-Cleveland, so we'll probably see Miami-Cleveland. LeBron gets to go home and then go home. Gets to go to Miami and then come back to Cleveland. It'll be cool. And uh, the rest of the playoffs should be awesome. From a hobby perspective, it was sad to see George and Kemba Walker get knocked out in the first round since both had such huge years, such huge series, and and had the opportunity to really capture us, I think, from an individual basis. But there's still people to, to look at. Um, obviously, the Thunder, you're looking at Westbrook and Durant. If you think they've got a chance to beat the Spurs here and, and do some more damage, then they might be worth looking at. Um, from the Spurs' perspective, 
it's the same old, same old, except for LaMarcus Aldridge. And LaMarcus Aldridge, as you probably know, has been one of the most undervalued players, really, basically since he came into the league. You could find his exquisite rookies for very, I, I think, you know, very reasonable prices up until the beginning of this year. I haven't looked to see what they're at now. But if, if you, you can picture him being a guy who who leads his team to the championship, who goes and wins uh, an, a finals MVP, and where everyone's had that focus on Kawhi Leonard, I think most people, including Spurs fans, would agree that, that LaMarcus Aldridge has been the MVP thus far for them. So there, he's somebody to think about. Um, in terms of Golden State, it's you know, we could do a whole show on on how this is affecting Steph Curry because Golden State is playing great basketball and there's no Steph Curry there. So it starts to take away a little bit from who he is and from his sort of stature as this great MVP. A team shouldn't be able to go out and win the way that they're winning in the second round of the playoffs without the MVP if he truly is the MVP. How can somebody be most valuable to their team when their team is still really, really awesome without them? It's a conversation to be had, at least. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know that I actually have an opinion on that. Um, but I think that the more he takes time to he takes off, and the more they win, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing for his stock. Um, it was good to see Azili do well tonight. You know, some of those lower end guys still have some room that they could grow. Draymond Green, you might want to throw into that. We may look back at these years and say, hey, Draymond Green was a top five player in the league. I still hope that when the All-NBA team comes out that he's the starting center on the first team. He sure should be. He plays enough center for, for that. And I'll tell you what, if it's between DeMarcus Cousins and Draymond Green, it's not it's not close. You take the winner every time. So... Um, that's, uh, that's a little bit on the Western Conference. As far as the Eastern Conference goes, again, Millsap for the Hawks, and the, the, his, his repeated 40-point out, uh, outbursts. Um, the Heat, you can look at a couple of their rookies. I kind of still think there's um, a chance with Whiteside. You know, you look back at some of his Kings rookies. Um, if they could, there's a chance they could get to the finals, and if they do, you can see a, a, lot, a huge breakout there. Even in some of the Wade stuff, Wade's been impressive. Um, he's I, I've said this before. I think if he retired today, he's probably the fourth best two guard in the history of the le league behind MJ Kobe and Jerry West. And so he's got a legacy already in place. And, you know, if he can go do a couple more great runs in the playoffs, maybe he ends up third all time. I don't know. I think he's, he's already got more championships than West, right? He's got three. West had two. So, I think two. I should know that. But, um, and then, um, and then, in the other series, like I said, I, I like DeMar DeRozan because I think he's going to the Lakers. I wish he was playing better. He had an okay night tonight. Um, and, yeah, that's enough. That's enough on that. Okay. Next item of business, and this is the more important thing tonight. I probably shouldn't have taken so much time with the playoffs. I'm going to skip my look ahead on the playoffs. We'll do that next week. Um, and go straight to the National Treasures preview. 
that's, I think, the more important thing to fo- focus on. And again, I apologize for how much time I t- took talking about the playoffs. Um, National Treasures, rele- Panini, through the Knights La- Lance website, the Panini blog, released their first two previews of the product. And it looks, it, it, it looks good. This is typically what they do when they're when they are releasing a product is they'll give you a few kind of teasers to get you excited for it. And there are some things that are, I think, worth noticing. The first preview was just game used cards, just patch cards. And the second preview is all autographs. And um, I didn't look super closely at all of them. I think it might have been all on-card autographs. What stood out to me... Okay, first off, we haven't seen them drop any of the huge cards yet. We haven't seen any pictures of the Logo Man autos or dual Logo Man. What we've seen is the rookies. And that's why National Treasures matters. National Treasures matters because... Historically, since 2009, the player's best rookie card, each of those years, you could at least argue that in each case, National Treasures was his best rookie. I think there are some years where it probably wasn't his best rookie, but um, but I think in every year you can at least argue it. Anthony Davis, for example, 2012, his National Treasures rookie card is probably his best rookie, but you've also got Flawless. Flawless sells for more um, than his National Treasures does, but it's not as mainstream. There's only 20 of them. And then Immaculate, there's only 99 of Immaculate. It's also an autograph patch, but it's not viewed as, as nice a looking card, and the patch isn't as big. So anyway, there's some, some instances where it hasn't been necessarily viewed as for sure the best rookie, but for the most part it is. What we saw in the previews is that the base... RPA rookie patch auto is numbered to 99. And then we can see that there's also a version to 25, a version to 10, a version to 5. We didn't see a version to 1. We would assume that the version to 1, like it we've seen in past years, will be the Logo Man autograph. And as we all know, the number one card of, of every rookie every year is the Logo Man patch autographed one of one out of National Treasures. And then the one that's out of Immaculate. Those are one and two. Kind of viewed as tied for the very best rookie card for each player. Now, what I noticed that I didn't love. First off, those numbers I just gave you are similar to what we've seen since 2013. 2012 was totally different. Some rookies were to 199, some were to 99. Then there was was one to 25. And then there was one to five, then there was one to one. Then in 2013, they adopted uh, a vertical rookie to 99, a horizontal or a vertical rookie to 25, a horizontal rookie to 10, a vertical rookie to five, and a vertical rookie to one. Or I don't actually know. I don't have a logo, man. I don't know off the top of my head if the logo man was. vertical or horizontal in 2013, but you get the idea. Basically, what they did in 13, they did in 2014 as well. Very well received. Some people really like the horizontals numbered to 10, but this year, Panini looks like they're changing it. Instead of having a horizontal rookie this year, 
all of the rookies appear to be horizontal. I didn't see any vertical, vertically aligned cards um, for RPAs. They're all horizontal. And the ones numbered to 10, which have been the horizontal ones in past years, are the gold version, which most of us would argue is the nicest looking version. So the number 10 version may still have some extra appeal because it has, because it's numbered to, because it's numbered to 10 and it has this nice sort of foil on it. It looks as well that the number to five version now will not have the hollow foil, but will be green. And so it's my opinion here that I think Panini made a mistake. They've made mistakes in terms of the coloring of the parallels several times. Most notably would be last year, Panini Flawless, where the one of ones were done in black. Black on Flawless, not a great look, and certainly not the best look. Nobody in their right mind would argue that the Holofoil number to 10 was not a nicer card than the black to one. Does the black sell for more? Yes, because there's only one of them, and because people love to do rainbows. But the, but the blacks out of Flawless, they're just not great looking. I'm sorry, they're not. And that's really unfortunate. This year with National Treasures, I kind of feel like it's the same. In past years where we've had the number to five rookie that's been the hall of foil, that's been the one that you've wanted to get. And the number 10 and number 25 and the 99 all are either in gold or in silver. Now you've got a number to 10 that's really nice, but that number to five is green. And I don't know that a lot of people love green. I don't think that that's going to be as well received as you'd like. And so um, I'm nervous for that part of it. I'm nervous because that's where a lot of the huge hits are. And particularly this year where there's about 15 rookies that people are very excited about. Uh, maybe 15 is a little high. Maybe 12 rookies that people are really excited about. Those, and those National Treasures rookies were to be some of their best cards. And those ones to five were going to be really sought after. They're not going to be as sought after this year in terms of what kind of cards they are, which lets me believe that maybe Panini's getting ready to possibly introduce another rookie set. I don't really know. It's something that I've been kind of going back and forth on whether I think they will or they won't. Um, given how late National Treasures is coming out, I kind of don't know if they will... If they, if they would be willing to cannibalize the brand at this point, it doesn't make sense to cannibalize the brand, but then why not really kill the kill the rookies this year? Like I said, the horizontal thing people loved. They love the Hall of Foil on the on the ones to five. Now the most now the best looking one's gonna be number to ten. And I just don't know how people are gonna deal with that. Um I think I think the last thing that I kinda wanna mention is um well Actually, before that, the the National Treasures Logo Man and the Logo Man Autos are where the real money is. Um, people get mad every year that there's stickers in National Treasures. It's how it is. It's it's the game these days. Don't look at National Treasures for for you know your Kobe autographs and your Durant autographs and your stars and your you know your vintage guys. Look at National Treasures for the rookies. That's what the product's great for. And when you're getting into breaks and things like that, uh, traditionally, I think you think of like the Lakers as the team that you have to have. I'm not so sure that's true. I mean, it, it is, I'm sure the Lakers are still probably 
the best or the second best team with Minnesota being the other one um, because they have D'Angelo Russell and there is still Kobe stuff and there is still Shaq stuff and there is still lots of the Lakers stuff, but it's not, it's not what really sells the product. The big, the biggest thing you can get isn't a Laker card. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's a, it's a Timberwolf card. The, um, the town's rookie is going to be a lot of money. The town's rookie is probably going to be 3000 bucks ish, um, out of the gate. And um, I, that makes me nervous, considering it may be, it may not be end up being his best rookie. I wish I knew. If I knew, I'd give more clear um, guidance on whether that was something to buy or not. I love Towns. I think Towns could be the MVP of the league in three years. Um, but uh, but but we don't we don't know if it's going to be his best rookie. So I don't really have any great advice on whether you should buy or not, unless you know somebody at Panini who can tell you whether it'll be his best rookie. Um, but uh, the other thing that I was go- going to get to was just that you have to look at this year's rookie class and evaluate truly how good it is. And I, I'm really a believer in this year's rookie class. I think Towns is an MVP quality guy. And then I think you have about 10 other guys if they keep pl- if they progress the way that they should, can be guys that are anywhere from fringe all star guys up and t- up to stars. Um, the guys who I think that you have to look at are first Devin Booker um, has a chance to be really good. The youngest player in the draft was supposed to just be a shooter and has and through one year in the league already proved that he's more than just a shooter. Seems more tenacious, more. Um, has a lot of passion out on the court, plays hard, and and uh, and, and plays with aggression. Um, I I know there's guys like D'Angelo Russell and uh, and uh, Porzingis that other people are really excited about. Porzingis could be really great. Um, I think you've but you've got to look you've got to look down there at the late lottery at Miles Turner. Like I said, Devin Booker. And Trey Lyles, those guys can all be great players. Um, I think you're going to see quite a few guys out of the set that sell in the two hundred to two hundred and fifty dollar range right out the gate, maybe even up into the three hundreds. And again, with it's just it's hard to know. It's hard to know whether that's something that you should spend your money on um, because you don't know if it's going to be the best rookie, and so. Having said all that, if you know the answer to that question, go out and spend your money. If you don't, like me, then I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, I'd like to thank you guys again for listening this week. Uh, reminder again, would love to would love to do the um, Collector Spotlight starting next week. Uh, sorry, I'm a little bit under the weather. I don't know if you could tell by my voice. But hopefully this has been a value to you in some way. We'll have next next week's episode. We'll hopefully be talking about national treasures that has just released, and we'll be able to talk about some of the cells and some of those things. Uh, you know what? As I say that though, I may not be able to make next week's episode. Um, I have some things at work. I, next week I may have to skip, or maybe I'll do it the day before. Um, I mean, might do it on Monday. Anyway, we'll find out then. Uh, again, thank you for joining me this week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You guys are awesome. Uh, good luck in all of your in all your sets and all the things you guys are working on. And as always, happy collecting.